welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here with a sort of, you know, bonus off the normal schedule episode tonight. And the reason I'm bringing this to you now is uh, yesterday I released my interview with Bob and Paul from Mythos. I was so excited to talk to them. They were one of the first names that I wrote down on my list when I was at the beginning of, you know, the conception of this podcast a few years ago. And I, you know, I keep writing them down on my, I got a contact list uh, this week and I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And and finally, you know, several years later, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to do this. It is this time of the year that this music uh, really connects with me the most, even though I do listen to it all year round, because it's, uh, you know, for my family, it was part of the tradition of what we would listen to on the holidays. We would listen to some Govinda, some Mythos. And, uh, you know, obviously some, some other more classic holiday music, but this, this band was always in high rotation at the holidays. So that's when it kind of hits me the most. And I think that's also around the time it first came into my world. So, um, I first, uh, I first want to apologize to Paul because when I was uh, getting ready to do the intro, I had asked Bob how to pronounce his last name. Cause I, I wasn't sure. And I was screw this up. But I, I, I like to ask my guests like right before we start. And then I ask them and they tell me and then we talk about like two more things. And then I start the show. So I often forget what they told me on how to pronounce their name. So I always feel like I stumble over my guest's name if it's not like Smith or Wilson or something simple, right? So I was like, so focused on getting Bob's last name, right, that I said it and then I completely forgot what Paul's last name was. I said, and Paul, and I had to pause and look at my sheet uh, before I said Schmidt. So, Paul, I'm sorry. It's not that I don't care about you. I just completely waffled on that um, because I was so focused on getting it right. I screwed it up, which is what I do on every show. I have a guest where I can't pronounce or don't know their last name uh, very well. So uh, I apologize. It's uh, kind of tradition tradition on the show. Uh, and ironically, I got Bob's right, I think. So, uh, you know, there you go. Um, but I think you guys are both great. Don't, don't think I like one of you over the other. Um, so, uh, a couple quick things. So this is coming out on uh, Thursday, which is, uh, one past my normal Wednesday episode where I aired my interview with these guys. Uh, a couple things, my book, uh, the universal court book one of the trilogy will be coming out on the 22nd. By the time this podcast airs, it's possible that the paperback version will be out, Um, there's a whole weird thing with Amazon about how you have to do that. Um, you can, you can set a date in advance for release for the Kindle version, but for the print, they're like, yeah, it could take up to 72 hours before it'll be available, but you don't get to schedule in advance other than that. So, uh, because the places where I'm, I'm sending the book for reviews and stuff like that, I have to have the print available. So the print is going to be available a little bit early. Um, the Kindle will be available on the 22nd, reasonably priced at only 99 cents. So um, there is the link on my website. You can go to my Amazon Amateurs, Amazon author page and find it there. And I'm very excited. This was a 13 year long project, which is the longest it's ever taken me to do anything. Um, And I'm going to be doing a podcast about that. I think probably that will come out on Saturday as another bonus episode. Lots of bonus episodes lately. I'm getting a a lot of interviews coming my way, which I'm I'm really uh, excited about. Uh, had Jim Meskimen on twice in like just a couple weeks was fa- fantastic. Uh, got a great response on that show. Jim was such a great guy. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed my interview with uh, with Bob and Paul from Mythos. If you haven't checked that out, 
Um, I'll leave it up to you if you want to listen to this episode about Reality of a Dreamer and then go back and listen to the interview or vice versa. Either way, check out both shows because they are really cool guys, very talented. I, I really love their work. It's been hugely impactful on me as a fan of music, as a fan of their genre, and also as a new age musician myself. You know, uh, that's my primary genre, that and horror, which is, you know, a nice yin yang. But uh, yeah, very cool stuff. So lots of good stuff on the works in the works. Also, um, I think we're getting closer to announcing the podcast that I have joined. Um, when I started with them, they were like two months out from releasing that episode that I was a guest host on. And on that show where I was a guest host, they're like, you know, it would just be cool if you were a permanent member of the show. And we talked about it after the show and then we emailed a little bit back and forth and decided just to make me a permanent member, which was awesome. But those episodes haven't started yet. So we've kind of let a couple of little, you know, snippets out there, but it isn't, uh, it isn't official until it airs as far as I'm concerned. So I will be updating the website and I will let you guys know uh, in conjunction with that release. Once I find out what the actual date is going to be, you know, things get bumped all the time. Uh, also, thank you to And the Podcast Will Rock. I was very honored to be a guest on the show where they were doing their one-year anniversary. We actually recorded for, I think it was like three and a half hours, split into two episodes. We we ran the uh, the wheel twice and reviewed two Van Halen songs. Very interesting experience for me because I know so little about the band Van Halen. Um, it was mostly me smiling and nodding and, and interjecting here and there. But a, uh, a great show. Uh, Corey and Mark are really cool hosts, really great guys. And thank you for having me. And thank you to uh, letting me be a part of such a, a wonderful group of people on that show. Absolutely fantastic. But we're not here to talk about Van Halen. Um, I'm never here to talk about Van Halen. I'm here to talk about the band Mythos, this wonderful album, Reality of a Dreamer. And then um, I'm going to talk about a couple other tracks because I don't know if or when I'll get around to reviewing the other albums um, as much as I'd love to. I've got this whole slew of things I want to do uh, before I end the podcast. We're looking at probably, I don't know, like right now it's looking like 60 to 70 more episodes. So uh, well over a year. But then, you know, the way that uh, I've got all these interviews coming in, it could go on much longer or there might be a, a slew of bonus episodes. We'll just have to see because I just I take them as they come in. And uh, there's some that I reach out to, like, uh, you know, these guys. And then there's others that that come to me looking for um, some press. So I'm I'm always happy to talk to pretty much everybody as long as it fits, you know, the show format, then we're pretty good to go. So uh, I'll be talking about a couple other songs that are a couple of my favorites. If you already listened to my interview with Bob and Paul, then you already know which songs those are going to be. But I'll get to those after. First, I want to cover Reality of a Dreamer. Uh, stunning album cover by Gil Prevel. I, I have to say uh, Purity is probably my favorite because Purity is more of a like a live world picture. Uh, it looks like a snapshot of a world that exists, whereas this is more of a, of a drawing that you really couldn't uh, be a part of, uh, you know, without being a drawing. But with uh, with Purity, I feel like that's just like such a beautiful, interesting, Escher-esque, like real world thing that I would love to just go visit there and find out what that world is all about. But this cover for Reality of a Dreamer is absolutely stunning. I think it suits the the music well. It has this warmth to it that I find in the music. And as we talked about in the interview, it is not always the easiest to make digital music sound warm. Um, I don't know. We didn't go into the details of all the things that they did to make that happen. But we did talk about that a little bit. And, and I can say for myself, I do a lot of work 
with the uh, overall EQ, with some, you know, tape work and things to, to really get it to sound uh, warm because some of these samples, as cool as they might be, they have like a an electronic cold edge to them. And, you know, especially with this style of music, you don't want that. You want to feel a warmth. You want to feel embraced by it or excited by it. And unless you're specifically going for that, okay, now we're, we're in space type feel, you really don't want it to be too cold. And they do a great job. Every single album, I have to say, every single album has been very consistent in that. Um, I, I've never listened to any of their tracks and felt, wow, they, they kind of missed the mark on this mix. Or, you know, this this one just doesn't really have that warmth to it that I sense in the other songs. Like they're so good and so consistent. And when you think about the way things were done when they started, um, it, it's a pretty amazing process. And, you know, it, it, the stuff that they're doing today is even just as consistent and uh, just as warm, which I, I absolutely love. So I could brag about this all day long. And uh, and I, I'll just say that this is a very, very special album for me. Uh, not just the connection with the holidays, but just, you know, memories I have associated with it throughout the year. Um, there's so many times I just wake up and I'm like, I really want to hear Alchemy today. And that might be how I start my day. Or, you know, I might listen to The Ring or something like, but this is one of those albums where, and you guys know me, I'm I'm not one that likes to rank things. I don't like to put things above other things and say, this is better than that. Um, I either like it or I don't like it. But where I do have to say, something is a favorite is if it's a consistent go-to. And for me, this album is a consistent go-to album. I could not tell you the number of times that I've heard it. I figured out one day that I think the album Down to Earth by Rainbow is probably the album I've listened to more than any album besides my own. And the only reason I listen to my own that much is just because of the creative process, the recording, then the mixing and mastering and all that stuff. Uh, but but as far as like an album that's done by another artist, this probably rivals Down to Earth pretty closely or or I mean, who knows, because it's not like I can actually measure them. But I would have to say just in thinking terms of how much I've listened to this album, it's got to be right up there somewhere. Uh, so that really says a lot for how I feel about it, because Down to Earth is an amazing album. And um, I'll be covering that before too much longer as well. So uh, let's get into this one, though. The first song, as I mentioned, is called Alchemy. We talked about this one a little bit in the interview. It is a fantastic song. Let me give you a little taste. There is such a beauty to this song. It is 
elegant, it's patient, yet it also kind of has a sense of purpose. It's simple yet dynamic, all rolled into one. And first of all, starting off with a fretless bass, I am such a sucker for a well-played fretless bass sound. It, it just, it brings me in every time. And I have to say too, I think that is part of the warmth of this album because you'll hear it throughout the album and it just, I, I just think it brings out part of that tone. But this song, I, I love it. I love the double picking that Paul does. It, it really kind of gives you a, a sense of, hey, something's going on here. You need to pay attention. Maybe you need to get involved. Like it just has a sense of purpose to it. And then when we get to the piano, the piano answers back with just these gentle responses, very simple, not intense playing, not, uh, hey, you're coming at me. I got to come back at you. Nothing like that at all. It's just very simple, very elegant, simple notes. And I, I love that about this song. And then you get such great dynamic work from the drums. As they said, this was the only album where they actually had a, a full uh, acoustic drum kit, which is really cool. And it certainly does show. I mean, that snare cuts through very well. The dynamics on a hi-hat, while you know you could program that, and as a drummer, I've done things like that when I'm not able to record live drums, but I can say it, it does take some work to get that kind of accuracy and, and real flow. Um, because programming, even if you quantize to like 90 or 95%, it, it, I don't know, there's just some kind of precision to it that just doesn't feel natural. And maybe it's because I know it's programmed, but when I listen to songs that I come to find out are programmed and weren't real drummers, I'm like, yeah, I, you know, there was always something about that performance I didn't like. You, you kind of feel it. Maybe unless you're a drummer and you can really put that, you know, live swing feel into it. I think part of the problem is that when people program that stuff, they tend to use um, exact same velocities every time. So it doesn't feel like you know, a live drummer is not going to hit the cymbal or the drum exactly as hard every single time. It's going to be a little lighter sometimes. It's going to be a little harder sometimes. It's going to come in just a split second before it should sometimes. Those are things that live players do. And when you are programming, people tend to quantize because they think the drums have to be perfect. And it's it's all just like, you know, geared up to sound flawless. But it but flawless isn't human, right? Um, having exactly the same velocity velocity is not human. So it, it it's always nice to have a human player on. Even if you're playing it onto an electronic kit and doing it through MIDI, you're still getting that live velocity feel, unless you're playing on a really shitty electronics kit, and in which case it's not going to matter anyway. But those dynamics really add a lot to the song, I think. So there's just like, there's emotion to it. There's a sense of purpose. There's a gentleness and elegance to it. Um, I can't say enough about this song, about how much I love it and how great it is, because this again, like I said, this is one of the top songs that I would say is a staple in my life and has been for, it's got to be at least 14 or 15 years. It, it feels like anyway. Um, I can't remember exactly when I heard it. It seems like I would have heard it maybe around when I first moved to Arizona. So that was a long time ago. That was two states ago. <laughs> so uh, in any case, it's it's been in my life for a very long time. This whole album has. So uh, it's it's a song that I enjoy. I highly encourage you to check out the full track. If you are interested in this kind of music or this sample that you've heard, um, there's no way you wouldn't love the rest of the song because it, it just it really carries on a, a, a very nice wave throughout the whole thing. So uh, that's that. That's that's Alchemy. Our next song, and this I, I have to say too, and I, I meant to ask them about this, but the order of songs on this album 
That's always a challenging thing for me, but I think that they picked an order of things that flow very well from one song into another, and it's not very easy to do that sometimes. Um, But I think that this album, it all makes sense. It all fits together in a very flowing way, which uh, is very important as a listener. So let's check out a little bit of Kaleidoscope. This is another great example of how they work together as a pianist and a guitarist and how they create their songs, because there is such a beautiful give and take, not a competitive thing at all, where you would like if this were a rock song, you would find this probably very competitive and somewhat complimentary, where it's here, I find it just a little bit of, okay, it's your turn to play. Okay, I'm done. Now it's your turn to play. And they just they feed off each other so well. It really makes for some beautiful music. And then, of course, you know, we've got that fretless bass again. I like the little filter that we've got on the drums, making them sound a little bit more enclosed than in Alchemy. Um, And the voice, you know, the voice really makes the song, too. There's some really lovely vocals on the song that um, I think just bring it to a different level. You know, I'm I'm glad that, that Alchemy was a straightforward song, but I really love the way that it blends into this one and just kind of you know, shapes the next phase of the album. It's It flows very, very well. But the uh, the vocals are a key. The guitars are, are a key. And again, the pianos aren't playing anything too intense, but they're playing with, with just a beautiful gentleness. And then there's room to let everything breathe. And you can really feel and hear that reverb that they're using, which is, is just stunning. And we talked about that on the interview. Um, But I think that's another key element of what brings their warmth and and makes their music come alive. Their reverb is just stunning that they use on this album. And um, yeah, this is another one that, that, well, I mean, you're going to hear me say this on (laughs) on all 12 songs probably, but uh, another uh, heavy thumbs up for me in in the way of how much I love this song. And that brings us to our third song, which is called Venice.
love that just precision picking there on guitar. It just it it's got that classic you know Italian almost Spanish influence to it, uh, but it's just so precise. I I absolutely love that and and you know you would think that like a fast picking would throw you out of the song, but it doesn't. It it just blends right in. But that's really common with you know like Italian music and and a lot of uh, Spanish music as well. Um, in Roma music too, uh, I've listened to a, a good amount of Roma music in my day, and you'll find that in there as well. Um, but this uh, this is another beautiful song. But here's the thing: I should not like this song, and I've said it many times on the Magicians podcast because Uriah Heep would do that a lot. You know, they would do that kind of um, you know tutu and la 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 and and that kind of thing, and, and I typically don't like that. Um, you know, if you're going to have words, I, I think they should have a purpose. But in this kind of music, I think it works brilliantly. And the gentleness of the voice just kind of carries you away, right? It, it doesn't even matter what they're saying. They're just making beautiful sounds. And I've also said many times that I really don't look at vocals as... I don't pay attention to the words that much. It's more the sound that they make. I, I, I think of them more as an instrument. And so... Uh, it's okay. You know, on a song like this, I think it's okay to do that. And and it really does work very well. I love the angelic elegance of vocals that are just that soft, uh, yet, you know, they're, they're not dominant. Whereas a lot of times vocals will be put in front in the mix. These really blend in well as an instrument and it has such a good feeling to it. Again, another song with a very patient piano, um, which is not always the easiest to do. And uh, it, it's played flawlessly here. So this is another song that I, I think just kind of picks me up and carries me away. And I love it. Uh, in fact, a lot of this is one of those rare albums that I actually will sit down and listen to without doing 25 other things. You know, most of the time when I'm listening to music, I'm either driving, which I don't do that much of anymore, or I'm, you know, updating my website or doing advertising or doing this or that. I very rarely just sit down and focus and listen to a piece of music anymore. But this is one of the albums that I'll do that with. And I think in that case, it's it's easier for it to allow me to uh, really just take hold of me and take me wherever it's going to take me and, and allow me to let go and just enjoy it. You know, uh, I wish I could do that with my own music. But whenever I listen to it, I'm too busy going, oh, you could have done this better. or You could have done that differently. Or yeah, that's nice. But you know, I'm picking a party, there's something in the mix or something in the performance or an idea I scrapped and didn't use, or maybe an idea that I, I wish I'd had at the time. Um, it, it can be different, difficult as an artist listening to your own stuff sometimes, but I'm getting better at that, actually. Um, but yeah, a, another great song. I, I really dig this one. I, I think the vocals really add like another level. Like this album is progressing so nicely from song to song. And I think that the vocals here just being as angelic and gentle as they were, uh, just kind of take this to another level. I think without it would have been a nice song, but with that, it just, it just takes it up another notch, you know? So, uh, another, another great song. And of course, you know, Venice is in Italy and it's got that picking in it. Um, so it's, it stays pretty true to the title. And, uh, our next one is called Vision.
This one is another one that just has such a nice flow to it. Uh, obviously a little more energetic that it actually has uh, a little more progressive of a beat than the other ones did. But this one, uh, again, you know, the vocals really add just that that little layer on top that just take the song to to that next level. But what I'm hearing in it, too, is I'm hearing just this passionate blend of tones. I mean, the way from the way it opened up almost was like a sunrise. It would have been a good opening track, but I could see why you wouldn't use it as an opening track, because it uh, it might set a tone that it's a more less ethereal album and more structured pop song or rock song styled album for for world music or new age. Um, it was actually, I, I used to see it in the world section in the store, and then I would see it in the new age section in the store. So it was kind of, you know, a toss up. A lot of things were just dumped into those two sections. You know, if you were anything outside of rock and pop, you might end up in world uh, or new age slash instrumental. Um, we only had few categories back then. So it was it was pretty easy to just, you know, dump a lot of stuff in one place that was kind of a catch all for everything. But uh, yeah, this is just another one that has some elegance. And there is another version of this song on the album that will close out the album. And we'll get to that when we get to that. But for now, um, I love the percussion layers on this. I think it really drives the song. But the the vocals just kind of bring it along again, another very gentle piano, even with a with, you know, a, a song that has a good beat to it, it moves forward. The piano still has a gentle feel to it, which I really like. Um, it wasn't like I need to strike the keys harder. I need to be more aggressive. Just very much a very gentle, comfortable playing style where the the notes have room to breathe. It's it's rich and full, but it's not so cram packed that you can't tell everything that's going on. And I've I've tried listening to the song, you know, really focusing on different audio points to see if there was some stuff in there, maybe. But there isn't, and there doesn't need to be. It it really is a rich and full sounding song without the need for, you know, 50 or 60 layers of instruments doing different things. It just, it gets to the point where it doesn't make any sense anymore. And this is just a, a beautiful song that flows very well. And uh, another one of my favorites. And I, I thought it was really cool that they do another version of this on the album. We'll talk about that. Uh, but for now, our next song, which brings to mind just just by the title it brings to mind certain images if you've seen Amadeus um you think that you're going to get something very brooding or depressing or um you know harsh or sad or whatever uh and it's called Requiem
you can really hear it starting to ramp up as I fade out that little clip. I This is another one. Well, I mean, I'm going to say this about all of them, but this is another one that I really uh, encourage you to listen to the whole thing because you're only hearing the, the ramping up part of the song. There's a whole other song that comes after this, and, and it's pretty intense. Um, there's just something about the vocals on this song that feel like uh, the, just the sun shining through that cloudy winter sky. It's really amazing, the, the pitches with the gentleness and yet the power at the same time. Like it's a strong vocal presence, but it's still got that gentle, angelic feel to it. And that is not easy to pull off. Done here in spades for sure. Um, love that string that we hear. Just a, da, 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 very nice addition. Again, beauty and simplicity. And, and you can feel that all through this album. I think that's, um, that could have easily been a subtitle or, or the title of the album, because I really feel the whole album uh, really encompasses that. There's some great percussion on this one. Um, again, some great bass work. Um, it's just a, another gem. You know, every one of the songs on this album is a gem. And this one uh, is, is another favorite of mine. That's one that when it's, when it's like, when I'm listening to the album and this song ends, I'm like, I kind of want to just listen to that one again real quick before I move on to the rest of the album. And sometimes I will, because it's just that good. And that is not what I would have expected when I saw the word Requiem, because again, you think brooding, sad, funeral, um, you know, depression, whatever. So I was expecting something kind of slow and dark and moody. Uh, but this is really just angelic and uplifting. So uh, you got me, <laughs> whatever your intent was. So our, our next song, as we get to the midpoint of the album, is a song called Solstice. Here we're seeing that patient guitar, uh, like we were seeing the patient piano before. Just, again, such beauty and simplicity. The vocals are so incredibly angelic on this one. I almost feel like she was floating above the mic and, and was just singing down into it because it just has such grace and elegance to it. Very gentle, which, uh, again, really fits this album. If you had, you know, vocals that were... Uh, you know, had more of a typical singer style than, than this is like more backing vocal style. But if you had like a lead singer style, I just, I don't think it would work as well. It might work, but I don't think it would work anywhere near as well. Like this song is just so perfectly done. I love the marimba in there. That's a really nice addition. I love that it's, it's gently in the mix and not too upfront because again, anything that's going to be too heavy 
is going to take you out of that, uh, you know, almost meditative state that a song like this can put you in. Um, that's one of the reasons with, with my mental sauna music, I have those rules about how I handle percussion because I don't want there to be like a, a hard hit that just takes you out. Like I don't put uh, ocean sounds in there so that you don't hear like the, the wave crash and it just kind of wake you out of that, um, you know, a, a relaxed state that you're in. And uh, I think this is, again, very well done and, and definitely a theme for the album, um, even even the last song. And we'll we'll talk about that. But uh, yeah, just another one that flows really well. There's a couple of really nice uh, unexpected changes. I mean, you know, there's got to be a change at some point, but they're just really nice and subtle. The variances that they play. Um, yeah, just a, another really, really lovely song that, um, again, I'm going to say, like, really check this one out. Check them all out, because they're all really good. If you haven't gotten the uh, impression so far, I'm a big fan of this album. So that moves us to song seven, past the halfway point. We are now into the song Fantasy. I love this song. This is a real chance for Bob to shine. And it, it certainly is one that seems kind of in contrast. There's some really hard strikes on the piano, but there's also some of that real gentleness. But it's all layered in a bed of just strings and pads. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm hearing a little bit of a voice in there in spots too, cutting through uh, the mix a little bit. But while it's a departure from the kind of music that we heard on this album, and this, you know, when you're watching a movie or when you're listening to like a concept album, there's that song that kind of like is, you know, some character that you're not familiar with kind of standing out. You might tend to skip over it. You know, you might hear the first little bit and go, oh, let me see what's next, you know, because this isn't fitting what I'm used to so far. But I have to tell you, this song is highly worth listening to and really digging into. It's got a beauty to it that it really is different from the rest of the album, but certainly has its place. There's no doubt about it. And we'll get um, we'll get a chance for Paul to shine here uh, before too much time goes by. But there is is something that's really, you know, almost like that point where you're like, I need to make a decision and I'm having a hard time deciding what to do. And you want to feel like that love and comfort around you. This kind of brings you that. At least that's the best way I can describe what what I feel. You know, you, you feel on the precipice of something 
you feel, or I feel, I should say, you know, I feel on the precipice of something, or I feel like there's a, you know, a crossroads or some kind of potential change in front of me. And I'm having a hard time deciding maybe part of it's that fear of making the wrong decision or fear that uh, I, you know, that fear of the unknown or that fear that no matter which way I take, I won't like, but which one would be worse, you know, that kind of thing, all those things that prevent us from moving forward in life. And and I kind of feel like I'm there with this song. But then there's just that, you know, the the surrounding family and friends that just put their arms around you and they're like, we're behind you, whatever you do, it's going to be okay and we'll be there for you. And I, I don't, I mean, I, I realize that, that the interpretation of instrumental music is very abstract. And I've always said that even with my own music, you know, I feel what I feel when I write it. And I don't care what people feel with it as long as they feel something, you know, unless it makes them want to do bad things, which I I never want that. But, you know, as long as it makes you feel something, it doesn't matter why I wrote it or what I wrote it about, because it's had an impact on you. And this song definitely has an impact on me. Again, that's just what I feel when I listen to it. And, And even when, you know, my life is going well and things are very calm, it takes me back to that place, you know, places in my life where I've been at that, you know, should I move out of state? Should I quit this job that I don't like? And what if the next one is worse? And, you know, I don't like this boss I have. What if I leave and find somebody who's even more horrible to deal with than they are? What if I have to take a pay cut? You know, all these things that go through our mind when we're having to make a decision about something in life. But it's it's nice when those higher notes come in, when the strings and the pads come in, and they just kind of envelope you, you know, and and they give you that comfort back in the middle of that confusion. So that's my interpretation for it anyway. Um, Whatever you guys feel you feel, I'd be curious to know. Because that's the, again, the beauty of music is that it can make us feel all kinds of things. It can be a group experience where we're told what the story is, and we all agree on the story. And we say, this is the story that happened or more abstract, like instrumental music, like even classical music, you know, anybody can listen to Beethoven's symphony and feel that camaraderie and that unity and that excitement at the end. But what do you feel all through the journey? There's so many different parts to it. And I feel the same with, with this style of music is it's very interpretive. It's, it's really a personal experience and there's so many things that go into it. What's going on in our life when we hear it? Um, adding my personal experience, what season did you hear it in? Like, when do you go back to those albums when you're trying to get that nostalgic? Oh, it's the holidays. I want to pull out all my holiday things, the movies that I watch, whether they're Christmas movies or not. Um, the, you know, the foods that I eat, all those things that that come together. Um, who you're associating with, where you live, what the climate is, what your day is like, where you're working, are you happy or sad? All these things are components onto how you're going to interpret the music. So it is a very, very personal experience when you're listening, especially to instrumental music. Um, There's certain music that's meant to guide you, like film score music a lot of times, especially, you know, battle music is designed to kind of gear you up to feel that intensity. But with this kind of music, you can feel something intense in a simplistic piece. It's all about you and your experience at the time. And the weird thing is, like, you want to share that with people. Like, I'm sharing this album with you guys that might not be familiar with it. And I say, you know, this is such a beautiful album to me. And you're hearing it at a certain time. And depending on what's going on with you, if you're in a bad spot, you may not like it. Or you may just really grab on because it makes you feel good in the middle of of a tough time. Whereas if you're having a, a good point in your life, 
Um, it may be something like, yeah, this is really nice, but it doesn't attach to you. I mean, that's the beauty of the personal experience of music, especially with instrumental. So whatever it is, I'm, I'm hoping that you guys are enjoying the clips and feeling something and wanting to check out the full album and give it a chance, because I really think you should. As always, the links are in the show notes. I've also included the link to Gil Bravel's artwork, uh, absolutely stunning and amazing artist, uh, both in, in picture and physical sculpture. Uh, just endless amount of creativity and incredible work. So check that out while you're listening to the podcast. Uh, unless you're driving, I know a lot of you guys listen to the show while you're driving. Um, then just wait till you get somewhere safe. Don't you know try to rush it at a stoplight um, or bumper to bumper freeway traffic, whatever you're dealing with. So uh, you know that's um, just another beautiful song on the album. I, I really dig it. And now we're on to the next one. to that reverb isn't that just absolutely incredible love that snare sound too by the way it sounds a little more um like maybe some percussion is layered into that i'm not quite sure what's getting that sound but i i love it and that reverb is just killer um the opening of this this song is called destiny by the way and the opening of this is really interesting because that would have been something i would have expected would have gone on requiem like if i had seen the list of song titles and then listened to the album without paying attention to what was what I would have guessed that that was Requiem because it has a real haunting quality to it at the beginning. And the music is very mysterious, isn't it? Um, I love the layer of it. I love the progression. There is so much going on. Um, There's just two or three sounds that are really sticking out to me that are blending together so well, I actually can't pick them apart. But there's just a a real interesting feel to this one that, again, kind of sets it apart. Um, Maybe it's, it's another Crossroads type thing, but it's not the feeling I'm getting. It's just... Like almost like you're about to open a door to a vault that no one's seen for a thousand years. And, and you're, you know, thinking about all the things that could be inside on the other side of the wall. Uh, and then you're opening that door and you're having to, to see it without it really registering yet what it all is. Beautiful, just beautiful, elegant um, as this whole album is. But this one's just got that, that really intriguing factor that I love so much. And um, I've, I've tried to break it down and this is one of the few songs where I've, I've been a little bit stuck as to what's actually going on, um, in, in the layers of it, but it's blended so beautifully. I mean, the mix on this album is just outstanding. And, um, I, I just, I just love the blend of sounds on this one. Uh, definitely another, I hate to say the word favorite because I hate that word, but another favorite on this album for sure. And with, uh, you know, again, with the addition of those haunting vocals, and then they're smooth and and more comforting during the song. And it really just goes in a different direction than you think it would. It's almost like 
okay, what's behind this door? Let's figure out how we're going to make this work. What if there's a booby trap? And then it's like you open the door and just these just wonderful warm light comes shining through at you and the vocals change from that hauntingness to this warmth, you know. Um, God, what a masterpiece this song is. I, I, I can't say enough about it. And then, again, you've just got some beautiful guitar picking in here and um, just an incredible piece of music. I could spend an hour telling you how great each one of these songs is, but I'm going to move on now to the next song. Track nine is called Reveries. This song is very short, and I don't want to play the whole thing, so that's why this clip is a little bit shorter. But this is definitely a, a Paul Schmidt special. I mean, listen to the picking on that. It's got that, you know, Italian, we're sitting in the grass, there's a warm breeze blowing, we're right on the lake, it's, you know, there's no one around. Uh, it, it's a nice spring day. It just has such a beautiful feel to it. Um, I love the picking on it, especially in this last section where where it feels like it's slowing down. I'd actually have to put it up against a metronome to see if it is, because sometimes you can play in a way that has a slowing down effect without actually slowing down. And this definitely has that feel to it. Um, but this is about half of the song that I played here. Again, like I said, it's very short, but it's it's really nice. I, I'm hearing two guitar tracks in there. There's just the like the basic root and then the picking on top of it. It's very lovely. Um, you know, much like uh, I've said quite a bit about the piano, just the, the patience and gentleness in the playing is really the key to making this kind of music work. And even though the, the picking itself, I mean, it's got an attack to it, right? You can feel the pluck of every note. But it doesn't feel harsh in any way. It actually feels very inviting, very warm, um, sipping some wine down by the stream in the, in the thick, warm grass. Uh, I, I just love it. And I, I honestly have to say, I get why it's so short, because it, at some point, like there's only so much that you can do and that you can listen to without wanting some kind of massive change that might throw the song into a completely different direction. So something like this, it really does fit being short. But at the same point, I'm enjoying it so much that I really do want more. And um, I guess I could just, you know, go back a track and listen to it again. <laughs> and I have many times. Um, not a lot of layers. There doesn't need to be. There's not a lot that needs to be overdubbed on a song like this. Really just straightforward, beautiful guitar playing, uh, very gentle and elegant and thoughtful. You know, um, feels very retrospective or introspective, uh, whichever, you know, whichever touches your nerves uh, it is fine but uh, a very elegant piece just the same so we've seen the, the elegance on this album from the guitar side we've seen it from the piano side each one of the guys has had a song where they really kind of stand out in um and yet they work together so well and with the rest of the session musicians uh just just an incredible stunning album and it's hard to believe what, but we're already down to three remaining songs on this album and this next one is called the ring mm -hmm. 
I love the opening to this. It's it's a little bit harder of a strike on the piano than we've gotten through the majority of the album. But then it's just followed up. A little space is given, followed up by those three gentle notes, and then it repeats. And then we've gotten the the progression of the instruments as they're added to the song. Um, beautiful, just a, an absolutely stunning and beautiful build. I, I love it. I love the bass on it. I love the percussion work because it really adds so much in the way of dynamics to the song without forcing the melodic side of the song to do it. And that's another thing I think that there is kind of a specialty of Mythos is that they have a way of really building on the percussion without making the melody aggressive. And it allows the song to move while it allows the melody to breathe. And I think that's a really magical combination that they seem to just master. And I, I love that. Um, Again, this is another song where the vocals just add that extra, you know, coating of uh, of sweetness uh, right over the top of of the whole structure. And the simplicity of the guitars, the simplicity of the piano, it, it doesn't have to be overwritten and intense. It, it can just be very simple and beautiful and breathable. And as busy as this song becomes, especially when the percussion kicks in, it's still very breathable and very enjoyable. Um, so another one where I'm just like, this is another song that just like picks me up and makes me drift away into wherever it's going to take me. And I love that because there are not a lot of songs or not certainly albums on the whole where I'm able to just let go and not be thinking about, okay, as soon as this is over, I've got to get up and update my website or I've got to work on this or I've got to lay a bass track on this album or I've got to fix these drums or whatever. Like I can literally just lay back stare at the ceiling, or if I'm outside, you know, stare at the sky. And as long as I'm not behind the wheel, because you don't want to be doing that there. But just relax and enjoy the the music, the rhythms, the melodies, the vocals, and just let it all uh, consume me. And there's not a lot of music I can do that with, which makes this very special to me. Uh, just, just one of the many reasons why I love this album so much. Um, but this is, you know, another great song. And uh, the the piano sound is especially good on this again that reverb is just so much on this album it's it's so much of the blending of the song the sounds the lack of the the heavy strike even though we get that that hard pluck on the guitar it still has that gentleness to it um just a a really wonderful flowing song and um yeah that's the ring for you and that brings us to redemption This is another one that's such an interesting combination of mystery and like some kind of uh, settlement of it, right? So you've got the the opening is just so intriguing. There's something about this progression and this combinations of sounds that really is a bit mysterious and, and kind of makes you wonder what's going on in this world. It makes you feel 
maybe I should be on guard here until I figure out what's going on. That kind of feeling when when you're like in a in a place you're not familiar with, it has that mystery to it. But then, you know, when the the chorus part comes in, it's just it's just all settled and you're like, "Wow, I feel very welcomed and opened arms and uh such an amazing transition in such a short amount of time." It's amazing how many elements of emotion you can squeeze into a short period of time with music. It it's it really is one of the best ways to communicate emotion um or just create, you know, the the ability to wonder and and think and make something your own based on your own brain and where you're at in the moment. Um but I love this one. This is it's an interesting one to be one before the end though because I, while I agree that this flows well, it's it's great. You would think that something that has a little bit of that uh, mysterious feel to it would be a little bit early on, which we already had on another song, but you wouldn't expect it would be towards the end, but that could also be it. It could be, you know, whatever the, the destination of this album is, you're nearly there, but there's that one last thing that life throws at you, right? That one more challenge, that one more opportunity to doubt yourself and get off of your path before you reach your destination. And again, I I always go into an album review, especially with an instrumental, that I may be just, this is my brain and how I interpret things. So uh, I don't want to give the impression that this is what the band was trying to convey because I don't know. Um, This is just what I'm getting from the music, how the music speaks to me. And um, I think the placement of it's really interesting because of that, but it also really works. I mean, if you think about you know, real life things. Take that job situation, you know, you've uh, you've accepted the new job, you have that that concern about whether it was the right decision, concern about the unknown, concern about whether it really was an upgrade or not. Um, and then as you're on your last day of your current job, right before your new job starts, you're like, just doubting yourself the whole time. And, and you're just envisioning it being bad. And you know, this was a dumb thing to do. And should I ask for my job back? Is it too late? And all these crazy things that go through our heads just because of the unknown. And I feel like this is a, you know, a little bit of a fear of the unknown feeling for me when I listen to this one. But it's very intriguing, very intriguing. I could see this song in particular working beautifully in a film score. Um, so many different places, like in, in an action adventure, um, in, a, in a mystery, you know, in a drama. Um, so many different opportunities, I think, for this song in particular. Although I think a lot of them could really fit well into the right film. I would say this one would be one that if I was licensing music for a film and I heard this song, I would think I've got to keep this one in the foreground. Like I have to write this down and put this on a list of songs that if I have find the right film opportunity, I would love to license it because it has just a, a, such a, a great mood to it. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I could go on, but um, yeah, in fact, <laughs> it's funny. Great mood was the note that I had written down. Um but yeah, I, I love the synths on here. I love that that mystery and intrigue and just that that not feeling 100% sure of myself when I listen to it and then getting that resolution. You know, if you if you don't have the resolution, then it's really ends with an uncomfortable note, you know, but that resolution makes you want to go, I love this song. I want to hear it again. So it, it's it, unless you're specifically trying to create an effect like you would with a film soundtrack, um, you always want a piece of music to have some kind of resolution. Um, a concept album would be another time where you may not, you know, you may want something to end on an uncomfortable note because you haven't revealed the whole story yet. And you're trying to lead your listener in a certain direction. But yeah, this, this song would have worked beautifully and, and still could potentially work beautifully in a lot of films. I, I could definitely see the potential for that. 
Um, but that brings us to our last song, Vision 2, which is the uh, alt, I guess, of Vision 1, track 4 on the album. And I'm going to play a little bit of that for you here because there is something very different on this one as opposed to all the other songs on the album. this song makes so much sense to be in the final position on the album. It really is the culmination of everything. I mean, it's got the instrumentation, it's got the percussion, it's got the vocals, but now we're taking the vocals into actual words and storytelling. Um, It's got a nice, beautiful buildup from the beginning, and it really has a good energy to it. And I think it's such a perfect album ender Um, especially for this album, because it really makes the whole album feel like you've been on a journey from the start. And, uh, and, and I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And it's just one of those songs where you're like, you just feel good at the end of listening to it. And, you know, unless, like I said, unless you're listening to a film score or, you know, a soundtrack or a concept album, maybe where you're not meant to feel good or you're not meant to walk away with that completion. Like maybe the album is a little bit of a mystery at the end or they leave it to you to decide or to bait, to debate over the internet or whatever. Um, this has resolution. This, this resolves the entire album, no matter what you've just listened to. If you go to this song, this will give you that closure and finality, which I, I think is so important. Um, because this album, as warm and, and inviting as it is, it does feel like a bit of a journey when you're done with it. So uh, great job to, uh, to Bob and Paul. Absolutely love this album. Great job to all your session players, to your vocalist. Um, thank you for this beautiful music that I absolutely love and has had such meaning in my life. Uh, but before we wrap up, there's two more songs I wanted to talk about. Um, one is from the album Purity. And that is called Icarus. And I'm just going to slip that one in here right now.
This song is such an adventure, and it's one that when I play it, I have a really hard time getting it out of my head, even if I immediately listen to another song. It just keeps coming back into my head for a couple of weeks after I've listened to it. There is such a chase in this song, such a challenge on piano. Every pass, the piano's got to up its game from the last pass, and I love that. It's just, it's an elegant adventure that has a great energy to it. I love the percussion in, in these beginning sections that we're hearing here, the two phases of percussion, because normally like that much of that similar sound would potentially get kind of obnoxious, but it changes soon enough. It morphs into a different part quickly enough to where it doesn't give you the chance to let that happen. But what you do get a chance to hear is that incredible reverb, once again, really bringing this song out. Now, the interesting thing is, as you hear this, this is off of a completely different album that was recorded in a different year at a different time, but it feels like it could fit on this album. You know, it feels like it could be, could have been a part of Reality of a Dreamer. The sound is similar. The uh, the engineering, it's all just it has that consistency to it. And it's a really beautiful song. But yeah, this is one, in, you know, especially when the beat comes in and the piano starts really getting intense. Um, man, it just like, I, I feel my foot tapping to it. I feel my heartbeat increasing. It's uh, it's just like, where is he going to go next? Which What's the next pass going to be? And uh, it's kind of a, a bit of a game. You know, it's almost like going and seeing a Cirque du Soleil show in a way. Um, when I think about, okay, so when they first do the, uh, uh, I don't know, like the the balancing act or like the the high wires and Mystere where um, they're like, okay, they do this one little thing. Okay, then the next guy's going to come out and he does something a little bit better. And then the next guy comes out and he's got to top that. Like, I kind of feel it has that progression in the song. It's very adventurous, um, very playful. I think playful would be a good way to to describe the song. But uh, this is another one that I would highly recommend. Like, listen to the whole thing all the way through and then try and forget this song. Like, just good, good luck. It's not going to happen. It's going to get stuck in your head and you're going to love every minute of it. Um, so that was uh, Icarus from Purity. The other song um, and one of the, the first songs that really gripped me when I first heard Mythos is a song from the album Mythos called The Odyssey. And we talked about both of these songs in the interview. And, um, uh, you know, I've said many times, like I've written over 1200 pieces of music. And when I see one of my titles on a a list or a scrap of paper, or even on like on a CD or on my uh, iPod, I'm like, what, which one is that again? You know, some of them I know immediately from the title and others I'm like, I, okay, I think that's this one, but there's like three songs I wrote around that time. And I can't remember which one it is. And I could never remember, um, one on the current album I'm working on was like that. Like every time I look at that title, I keep thinking it's a song that's on a different album. And so it does get a bit um, difficult to remember all those things. And especially if they're, you know, ones that you've recorded a long time ago, um, you you recognize the name. You're like, yeah, I know I recorded a song, but I have no idea which one it is. So uh, Bob was actually kind, or I'm sorry, Paul was actually kind enough while we were doing the podcast to go back and listen to a clip of it so that he could refresh his memory and talk about the song. And I really appreciated that because he could have just blown that off and said, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't remember that one um, and, and just left it at that. But he actually took the time to do that. And I thought that was super cool. And it's it's a beautiful song. And here's a little bit of that.
this is an incredible song. I mean, it, it just has such a, a a gothic feel to it, and the the voices, these you know, sort of uh, almost they they almost remind me of like uh, it's like a Gregorian chant, but without the chant, just like those kind of voices. And then you have those female backups just doing that little upsweep that just adds that next layer of mystique to it, and it's so powerful. The drums are incredibly simple. But they really have an impact. Again, another perfect example of beauty and simplicity, right? Um, they don't doesn't have to have a crazy beat, doesn't have to have a lot of layers of percussion. It just has to be solid. And these drums sound huge, which is very important for this song. I mean, the whole song just has a massive presence. And um, again, some of that Italian picking uh, in there, which is just so elegantly done by Paul. And... Um, yeah, just an, another great song. So this is another one that's always been one of my favorites. Highly encourage you to check it out. This is just a small clip of it. There's a whole nother surprise that comes in here that just takes the song in a completely unexpected direction, but it resolves and um, in, in a very, very smooth way. So uh, just a, another great song from Mythos. These guys are so good at what they do. Um, they have several albums out. I've got the link to their website. I've got the link to purchase Reality of a Dreamer um, in the show notes. Go check it out. Um, also links to you know their socials, Twitter, Facebook, all that. Um, really cool guys. If you heard the interview and it just, you know, when you talk to guys that are in the band and they're super cool guys, like when I, when I talked to um, our propaganda, I was like, you know, this guy is so cool that I'm really glad I like his music. Same thing when I talked to Graham Bonnet and Bethany Heavenstone from the Graham Bonnet band. It's like, there's such cool people and such fun people that I'm really glad I like their music. And I'm really glad that this music that I like has really cool people making it. Definitely feel the same way about uh, Bob and Paul. Uh, my interview with them was the, the first time I met them. We exchanged some emails prior to uh, but that was actually like our first, uh, you know, meeting of, uh, you know, being in the same place at the same time kind of thing. Super cool guys. Uh, very generous with their time. Thank you guys very much both for uh, taking the time to let me chat with you about your music. And thanks for all that you've given us because I have had years of enjoyment with the things that you have created. And I hope that you guys in the audience of this show will go check them out. And, you know, not just Spotify, like buy the albums. You know, especially now, it's it's really hard for, for musicians. And I know it's harder for people, too, because so many people have been laid off. So many of us have had, you know, like our pay cut or whatever to to uh, avoid layoffs. Like, it's it's pretty crazy out there. I get it. But at the same point, um, we've got to take care of our artists. We just have to. Um, you know, there's always going to be somebody that will do it. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be stuff worth listening to. This stuff is quality. So uh, take care of the bands that take care of us. That's for sure. Thank you guys for uh, joining me on this episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I hope you're enjoying my four-part series with John Matola from the Deep Purple podcast. John Matola, by the way, who um, he was at a, a record show. And, you know, we don't, I don't think we have those out here. If, if we do, I've not heard of them coming to town. We used to get them all the time when I was growing up in Michigan. But uh, he asked me if I wanted anything. I said, no, I wasn't looking for anything at the moment. But he found me this almost pristine white snake patch um, you know, that would go on a jean jacket. And it, it is uh, the classic White Snake logo. Very well done. Very thoughtful. Thank you so much, John, for doing that. Uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, Rich, you might have had a hand in that. I know you were there with him. But uh, a very nice surprise. 
um, that, that came in the mail the other day. So thank you very much, John. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying the four, the, uh, four part episode that we did on Cobra Kai. We just, you know, we just talked and I, I try and keep those kind of episodes a little bit shorter. And so I ended up having to break it into four parts, which was really cool. So uh, enjoy that. But I'm not doing that every week because if you're not a fan of Cobra Kai, I don't want you to shut off from the show for a month. So I'm staggering those. Going to have some special stuff coming up from Christmas. Of course, my annual replay of Mental Sauna 3 Christmas Inflections uh, is already in the queue to play on Christmas Day. And I have sworn I will not start promoting any of my Christmas music until Thanksgiving. That was a goal of mine this year because some people get really annoyed and I don't want that you know? So thank you guys for joining me for this review of Reality of a Dreamer by Mythos. I hope you, uh, if you have not listened to my interview with the guys, go and check that out. That episode came out yesterday and I will see you on Saturday for another special episode before we return back to the Wednesday normal release schedule. Um, yeah. Thank you guys. Cheers. 